Hey, so before we get started with this episode, we want to say sorry and to request you bear with us on this one. While we think it's a pretty important episode, our technology didn't. In fact, it thought so little of the episode, it felt it necessary to chime in with its two cents every so often. So you might hear some little audio glitches throughout this episode, and we worked tirelessly trying to remove them all, but it still isn't perfect. So rather than not deliver an episode, we thought you might understand. We will work this week on trying to correct this issue and be back with our regular level of quality for the next episode. Thank you very much for your patience. If you're vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be self-sufficient. And here's why. In this episode, we're finding answers to why does everyone shit on rangers? And what can you as a player do to make it the strongest in the party? It's a competition now. And what does a DM need to consider to really help the ranger not just shine, but glow? <laughs> Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. So a lot of people have a lot to say about rangers, I find. Uh, all I hear is gripe, gripe, gripe about how they're the weakest class and nobody likes them and why would you ever choose a ranger? And they're a broken pile of bat crap. <laughs> well, more that they're kind of jacks of all trades and masters of none. Yeah, people say they're a weaker version of the rogue, they're a weaker fighter, and they're a really sacky druid. I think rangers are an easy punching bag in terms of, yeah, no, I get it. They're statistically and mathematically and all of those things, yeah, sure, they can't stack up for damage output as, say, like a, a rogue can. Sure. But can a rogue lay a trap for you and laugh from the treetops? Well, <laughs> shit. Probably. Wrong example. <laughs> but let's consider just a different approach to the ranger to make them fucking baller. It's all about who they are. What's behind the statistics and what can they do beyond just punch you really hard? And that's what makes rangers so cool is that this is role-playing personified like it forces great role-playing it if you want this character and this class to really shine it's all in how you role-play this killer class absolutely consider some of the best rangers the rangers almost based off of aragorn hell yeah from lord of the rings like actually that's the archetype yeah then you got Jon Snow, sure. who handles himself in whatever scenario. <laughs> Goes off and lives in the wilderness. Classic ranger from video games is one of the first characters. They started with a plumber, and then the very next character was a ranger, Link. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't do a plumber class for <laughs> D&D. Less enticing, yes. Buffy Summers oh. is a ranger. 
going after Undead is her favorite enemy. Oh, totally. <laughs> there yeah. you go. She's straight out of Ranger. And then, of course, you have Batman. We're going Ranger now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Batman. I can use Batman as any example. He's the best at everything. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> hear me out on this weird train of thought. Sure. So this is exactly why people crab about rangers in parties. You've got the cleric who's the best at healing. You've got the fighter who's the best at doing damage. You've got the rogue who's best at sneaking. You've got all of these best ofs. Wizard, best at magic. Sure. And ultimately, you end up having this ranger who doesn't feel as good at doing any of those things. Right. Very similarly, you've got the Justice League. You've got Wonder Woman, you've got Superman, you've got Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. Like, that's it. They are the epitome of this shit that they do. Yeah. And then you've got human rich male Batman, who's just kind of mediocre. I mean, arguably, in terms of punching power, he's dragging that team down. (laughs) He's he's... bringing down the average on punch power. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No, for sure. Most of them can knock somebody out of orbit, and Batman can just <laughs> kick real hard. I mean, he knows every martial art. <laughs> this is fair. Pretty good. Yeah. So in terms of raw strength, just like the Ranger, Batman yeah. doesn't have it. However, every story about the Justice League centers around Batman. And he's the most interesting character. Look at that. It's not so interesting to watch somebody punch real hard. This is what we've been saying. <laughs> So in terms of playing a great ranger, being the cleverest loner that helps support the team. Yeah. That is the linchpin to everything that always saves the asses of everybody else. Because while you might not be the best, you can still be the one that's, you know, saving the day. And that has the skill that's needed in the moment. Yeah. All of this to say that rangers are interesting as shit to role play. That's what we're diving into today. So let's talk about that some more in our strategy stateroom. This is the strategy stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. Okay, so let's start off with strengths. Where does the ranger really shine? Well, if we're talking the standard stats, then they're the wise one of the group, right? Well, I mean, if you're doing a build, you probably want to put a bunch into decks because you're going to do some archery of some kind. Sure, if that's your flavor. Maybe some strength for hitting. Yeah. Whatever whatever lean you want to put on there. But I think you're right. I think wisdom is your main stat. And specifically... Being able to lean into being a hyper-capable, super-alert character. The ranger is the tracker. The ranger is the person that doesn't let the party go astray. The ranger is the person that gives advice and says, hey, we should go this way, we shouldn't go this way. They're the ones that are constantly alert and aware of what's happening around the campfire at night. Yeah, they never turn off. So wisdom is where all of that comes from. So they work really well on their own, but when you put them into a group, they become a really good support class Yeah, for everybody else. Totally. I mean, if you really break it down, the rogue. The rogue is going to go down because morally they're very fallible. 
and <laughs> HP-wise, they're squishy. Yeah. So they're going to get themselves into some shit, and they're going to get hit hard. I mean, honestly, a stiff breeze can blow most rogues over. Their their benefit is that they don't get hit. Yeah. Once they do, it sucks. <laughs> so where is the ranger when the rogue is clinging to life? They're there with a D10 for their hit point die. They can throw down some health? No, no. I'm saying that they have health. Oh, like, I see. When, oh, some, yeah. when everyone says that they're a weak rogue... Piss on your rogue. Your rogue is going to get hit and going to go down. Where's that ranger? Way more hit points. So the ranger is kind of that not quite barbarian level hardiness, but they're still pretty hardy. They're very hardy. They're really tough to kill. When the cleric is tapped out and has zero spell slots left to cast some more healing spells, there's your ranger. If you're lucky enough to have somebody that's focused on healing the party, that is. (laughs) Well, and the other thing is, is that, I mean, I'm not saying I as a DM have ever targeted a healer. (laughs) Good, because that would be dickish. (laughs) But when the healer is being targeted by this like mass of enemies, because they're casting all these healing spells on the rest of the party because they're on the shit together. Nobody's targeting the ranger because they're not casting those healing spells. But guess who's got that in their back pocket? Oh, pull a couple of berries out of your back pocket and pop them into your mouth. There you go. Nothing like a good berry. Good berry, cure wounds. There's all of your health points back. They got your back. That's not to say they don't have a couple of pretty cool hard-hitting spells, too. Oh, yeah. But those hard-hitting spells, the thing I like about them is that they're strategic. They're used in the right circumstances, just like going back to Batman. Totally. Thinking about the battle. Yeah, there's always these like pure moments where the ranger is the one. And and knowing and recognizing when those moments are yeah. is totally key to playing this class. Whether they're throwing down some fog to obscure the area or they're firing an arrow and it's splitting into a, what's it called? The, Volley. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of fun stuff. Making stuff come out of the ground at your foes. Well, and I think that, again, going back to the support class, this is why this is so freaking important, is that you know when to get the most out of your spells, and you're in, and then you're out, and you're supporting the rest of the team. You're never in the spotlight like the barbarian is in the front lines, just duking it out. Right. But you're never in the back of the party where the casters are. You're just mobile and you're moving around. You can ignore difficult terrain. Like you're everywhere and you're you're there helping everybody else succeed. Yeah. And that's all still ignoring the really amazing classes. Like I think D&D recognized that they made kind of a weak class. Like that was the first reaction to everybody when they were like, ah, the ranger sucks. <laughs> it needs to be able to do more damage and be crazy. But then you throw in some of those newer subclasses in Xanathar's Guide. Oh, well, what were the original subclasses? In the player's handbook, you've got Beastmaster and you've got Hunter. Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with being a good hunter. No. And nothing wrong with Beastmaster. Yeah. I mean, that's a very unpopular opinion. (laughs) Yes, it is. Most min-maxers will say the Beastmaster sucks. And that's fair. Because... I mean, the math just doesn't work. But I want a connection with my pet. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's only one class that gets a pet. Yeah. 
However, they did introduce the Gloomstalker and the Horizon Walker, which are just like pound for pound real contenders. So they sound cool off the bat. Well, I think we can kind of leave that to probably a different episode and do some real deep dives on some super cool subclasses. However, that's to say that all of this stuff about the Ranger being a subpar class, stop. Stop letting it affect which class you choose to play the next time you roll a character, because there are some super cool ways to go about it. But let's talk about how to role play, because you and I were chatting there about role playing a ranger, and how do you go about doing that? So as people, rangers are extremely capable. They've got a lot of skills under their belt. Mm -hmm. That's basically what we're saying. But with that can come... A lack of other types of skills, a lack of social skills, having some deep character flaws to work through. Sure. And that's what's so good about some of those examples. Like, that's why Batman is an interesting character, because he's got those deep issues that he's always trying to contend with at the same time as he's always learning new skills. Buffy Summers went through some major emotional arcs as a result of being kind of a jack of all trades and having a little bit of spell casting and like friends and family and trying to support all of those different people in those different ways. Being that support class is a character. And since they're so wise, they're there to give some advice on what the other characters are going through. They're there to support. I think being the emotional anchor for your party means a lot. Being that character that's going through something and needs the party to do so, like build that into your backstory, build that into your character at its core is the fact that you are a one person kind of loner on the outskirts of whatever, usually on the outskirts of society. That's why they're experts in the wilderness. Sure. But they need this party to accomplish a thing or to become a better person or to grow or to change in different ways. Speaking of an emotional anchor, you've got the Beastmaster subclass, which, holy shit, having an animal companion that if you roleplay really well, yeah. I mean, everyone's gripe about the Beastmaster is that the animal companion becomes basically a squishy target after a certain level. And to be fair, sometimes it, it slows things down a bit to try and figure out how the animal companion is coming along on some of these adventures. Sure, that's totally fair. But within that, you have this character, this secondary character that can become familiar with the entire party. Yeah. If you lean into that, then you can get this really cool animal companion that bonds with all of the different members of the party and becomes an emotional anchor. Yeah. The animal companion can become the central figure of the party almost. Totally. Like everyone cares what happens to the animal companion. If you are role-playing this ranger, you can have that animal companion start to build relationships with each one of those people, and I bet you, you'll see the rest of the party support that squishy figure and like <laughs> deep emotional connections with this secondary class feature. Like It's crazy. Yeah. It starts off as kind of a hindrance, but turns into what everyone is fighting for almost. <laughs> totally. I mean, we've seen numerous examples of that in our games in different scenarios granted this was uh, actually a summoned creature uh it was a an owl one of the uh, jade figures oh yeah and but everyone 
was so excited when this <laughs> owl came into play. Yeah. Amped things up when the owl came out. But I think if you're going to roleplay this character, you cannot be the center of attention. You can't always want to be that frontline fighter. You can't, yeah, you can't hope that you're going to be in this shit all the time. You're a different kind of hero when you're a ranger. Where you do get to be the center of attention, though, is when everybody needs help. Think again to all of those archetypes. You know, Batman in the Justice League is there to save everyone else's ass when punching things doesn't help. Yeah, he's thought through some other solution. Aragorn and Jon Snow, when the battle is going not the right way because all the heavy hitters are out, that's when those characters shine. That's when Jon Snow races into the fray and saves the day. Or does something dumb. (laughs) Damn Damn it, it, Jon. You screwed up that whole battle. (laughs) And it is important to note that being really helpful as a ranger in the right situations depends a lot on what the dungeon master is doing. And there's a lot of ways to support every class, but some of them are a lot easier to support because you give them a monster to hit, they hit it, they look really cool. Yeah. But with the ranger, you got to throw in some different situations that make them look really cool. So one of the ones that comes up a lot for rangers that makes rangers kind of seem like they're underpowered is the whole favored terrain. The favored enemy and the favored terrain, if those don't come up, they feel utterly useless. Well, they're just not used. Yeah. They're literally they're com- useless. <laughs> I think that's that's a huge part of the ranger. They're the only class ability that isn't up to the player. It's up to their surroundings when they use it. Yeah, and this, like, how many players have started a, oh, I'm going to be an Arctic Ranger. Oh, this game takes place in the desert. Well, screw me, I guess. So the Ranger and the DM really have to communicate what kind of a game is being played ahead of time. And DMs, don't try and trick them on this one, because <laughs> that <laughs> sucks. One line that really stood out as far as their base abilities is when they're doing other things, they remain alert to danger. And that's all it really says. But when everyone's just traveling and hanging out and and it's kind of those down periods, chilling around the campfire, and you as the DM are having, you know, whatever fun enemies sneak around, that's when the ranger gets to roll an active perception check because they're always aware and everyone else is, you know, busy whittling or pooping in holes or... (laughs) As you do. Staring at the sun. Yeah, that's an important point because it's so easy as the DM to think, okay, I've got a whole clan full of goblins. They're going to sneak up on the players as they're sitting around the campfire. Hey, everyone roll a passive perception. Or I'm going to look at everyone's passive perceptions and see if the goblins make that check. Yeah. However, if one of the goblins doesn't make that check, you're just looking at everyone's passive perception and you're going, oh, it's higher than that. It's higher than that. But the thing is, is that the ranger gets to make an active perception check. They get to roll. So the DM has to point out the ranger and say, roll perception for your passive because they're constantly, their head's on a goddamn swivel. Yeah, they're always aware of what's happening. And that makes them feel badass. That's their heroic moment. You don't put it out to the rest of the party. You say, ranger, you are paying attention. And then you describe it in such a way that it is the ranger's keen senses that goes, you guys, hold up, shit's about to go down. Everyone grab your weapons. Instead of the yellow pattern of the leaves that you see around you, 
one of those leaves looks slightly different, you realize it's a beady little goblin eye. (laughs) Peeping from the bush in a ghillie suit. (laughs) Some of the other abilities to keep in mind as the DM are the fact that they can track stuff. Let them track everything that's trackable in your game. Hell yeah. Those are great moments as a ranger. And again, going back to the whole role perception, when you're trying to track down an enemy, it's not, hey, everyone, roll a survival check. It's, hey, ranger, roll a survival check. Track this enemy. Do what you do best. Yeah. And it's not that hard to throw in some situations to your regular game that really let the ranger shine. Like if you've got a group of enemies that the party's going after... If you just throw in some swampland or a thick brush or rubble that creates massive areas of difficult terrain, then your ranger is the one that gets to lead the party and catch up to those enemies. I mean, honestly, anytime you're doing any kind of overland travel that isn't directly on a road, it's because of the ranger that everyone is fucking boogieing. Yeah, but you just you need stakes for that to matter, though. Yeah. I think that's important to remember. That's the saying that you're going to the next town and you're doing it quicker because <laughs> the ranger. No, you're trying to catch up to an enemy <laughs> when the next time somebody's been kidnapped. Yeah. And you're trying to try like that is the ranger's job. Or, you know, if you have to traverse the haunted patch of nature that no one ever comes out of the legends say to stay away. <laughs> if your party needs to cross through it because of some time crunch. The ranger's the one that gets them through. You can still throw in a couple of interesting encounters, but you can make it clear that they wouldn't have stood a chance if the ranger hadn't been with them. And if you just want to give the party the chance to get the drop on an enemy, that's easy with the ranger. Totally. Give them some details, some sign of enemies passing, an idea of where they're camped. And honestly, if it's, again, up to the DM to make sure that their favorite enemy makes an appearance even if it's just one of a group. If you've got a whole group of kobolds. Kobolds are the worst. But the ranger's favorite enemy is goblinoids. Oh, I see. Goblinoids are the worst. There's a couple of them hanging out with the kobolds (laughs) or whatever the case may be. I like that. I like a a goblin that's wearing kind of a few things that make him blend in as a kobold. (laughs) He's infiltrating their group. Maybe not the best example since they <laughs> notoriously hate each other. Do goblins hate kobolds because they want to be the ones to die at the hands of heroes? Uh, and vice I guess. versa? It's, yeah, it's like a, who can be to the tip of that sword first? Yeah, you're stepping on our turf. <laughs> they all have just a group understanding that they are the the enemies that level one characters fight. Yeah, they're the and therefore, yeah. I'm bleeding out first. <laughs> They're racing, you just hold your sword out, and a goblin and a kobold <laughs> race to impale themselves. Yeah, they're just shish kebab skewering themselves on your sword. You just hold it out. Anyways, if you are playing a character with a ranger, there's a couple of other important notes. Not like wielding a ranger like a sword. You're yeah. saying <laughs> if you're in a party with a ranger. Yes. <laughs> if that wasn't clear. <laughs> well, I got a little mixed up. <laughs> My main point is... Let the characters that are good at a thing be good. And I think this goes for more than just rangers. Yeah. But like... This is just great general advice, but it applies particularly. And it's a little bit of a personal pet peeve of mine when I say, hey, go ahead and roll this to a certain player. 
And then somebody else among the group is like, if that person fails that role, I'm going to describe it as being insanely hard. So let's say the ranger is trying to track their favorite enemy, but they roll a one or even they roll a 10, but this enemy is incredibly well hidden. Yeah. And they didn't make the roll. Having the monk step in and be like, well, I'll roll. Why? And then what? hit it and then roll a nat 20. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I guess the monk figured it out. No. The monk, monk that lived in a monastery its whole life is yeah. now going to be better at tracking than the ranger. If there's a particular activity that one character at the table is better at than another, don't step up. Sit your ass down, monk. <laughs> this isn't your shit. This is the ranger's time to shine. And basically, I as a DM am going to rule that if the ranger wasn't able to track, then nobody is. So nobody else try to track. I'll find a different narrative way to get you to where you need to go. Yeah, unless you got six rangers. Party rangers. Whoops, all rangers. <laughs> and then... Would they even want anything? Six <laughs> rangers or would they just build build a place in the woods and be happy? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> that's all we're gonna crab about the Rangers. Yeah, I think we, I think we didn't crab. We were happy. We provided some good stuff. Well, I've got the usual vitriol-laced words coming in here. <laughs> I'll calm, I'll calm down. Yeah, lean into the role play. You're playing a great, a great class. Rangers are awesome. They're I really dig them because they force you to be a good role player. Their strengths are all the other things they can do. So bring a good character to the ranger and you're going to have a lot of fun. Oh, hell yeah. If you're just looking for damage, this ain't your bag of treats. Then that final one, DMs, lean in, help your ranger be cool. Throw some difficult terrain in there. Throw some of their favorite enemies and really help support not only this class, but all the other classes yeah. at the table. All right. So next we have some characters that are going to inspire your rangers in the Extra Dimensional Gateway. This is the Extra Dimensional Gateway, where unique heroes from strange alternate realities are recruited. All right, so we wanted to take on encapsulating the ranger in people. So we each went away and we tried <laughs> to find the coolest ranger that we could. And we're bringing it back to the table and what we discovered was that you went real and I went fictional. <laughs> yeah. So, and I and we have very different definitions of cool, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> we really do. So, go ahead, uh, which which ranger? What have you got for your real world ranger? Well, to inspire your ranger characters. My definition of cool is apparently a simple man that loved nature and working with his hands. <laughs> so Richard Prenicky, if you've ever heard of him, was a pretty interesting guy. He learned the skills of carpentry, mechanics, and heavy equipment operation during his life. So kind of jack of all trades. Yeah. When he was in the army, he contracted rheumatic fever on a hike, which hospitalized him for six months and really made him consider his health and what he wanted to do with the rest of his life. Cool. Yeah, awakenings. That caused him to devote his life to the strength and health of his body. What better way to do that than connecting with nature? So he moved to Alaska at the age of 34, and he loved it. Cool. When he retired, hiked his way into the Alaskan wilderness, bringing with him the metal heads of hand tools 
and some food, basically. So he had like a, a saw blade, an axe head, some chisels and drills. Only what was necessary. And then he whittled his own handles, huh? Yeah. And just started cutting down trees and made himself a cabin. Oh, well, we've already got character growth. Yeah. We've already got some, like a deeply flawed character that just wants to get away from everything. Had some health challenges. Had a, clearly has some kind of a different relationship to social interaction (laughs) to want to just go out in the Alaskan wilderness as in needing none of it (laughs) yeah because not only did he learn all these things and go out and build this cabin but then he lived in it for 30 years by himself holy shit that's what we're saying with he did not need people he just lived at Twin Lakes Alaska stared out at the water and did what he needed to do to survive pretty cool and developed one heck of a connection to the land. And some of the quotes, I think, are really inspiring for Ranger characters. So he said things like, The more I see as I sit here among the rocks, the more I wonder about what I'm not seeing. Learn to use an axe and respect it, and you can't help but love it. But abuse one, and it will wear your hands raw and open your foot like an overcooked sausage. (laughs) That sounds like he learned that one from experience. (laughs) Yeah. What ranger subclass is he? <laughs> He's definitely not a beastmaster. No. Nope. I mean, kind of a hunter. Yeah. He, he hunted his own food for sure. <laughs> sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> a gloom stalker paints a very different picture of this, <laughs> gloom this person. Gloom <laughs> Old man rummaging through the wilderness, stalking <laughs> through the gloom. You never know what you find in the Alaskan wilderness. <laughs> <laughs> to leave you with one more quote before we go on to yours. I've thought briefly about getting caught in rock slides or falling from a rock face. If that happened, I would probably perish on the mountain in much the same way that many of the big animals do. I would be long gone before anyone found me. My only wish would be that folks wouldn't spend a lot of time searching. When the time comes for a man to look his maker in the eye, where better could the meeting be held than in the wilderness? Spoken like a true ranger. Mm Mm-hmm. Very cool. Fill your breeches with that. Well, I don't know if I can uh, top that one, but who is a natural lone wolf that saves the party's ass literally every time with a wide range of their special skills and abilities? Sounds like a badass. Must be me. (laughs) Who? No, not you, (laughs) because the second part is... Who could you easily root for who's a complex and challenging character with a great arc? I'm not rooting for you. I'm so- okay. <laughs> I'm sold on the character. All right. What are you bringing to the table? <laughs> Daryl Dixon. <laughs> Hell yeah. The best ranger. Excellent. Zombie hunter. Obviously, you take favorite enemy, which is the undead. Hold on. Just to be clear, this is from... The Walking Dead. Yes. Just in case you don't know, he's the character from The Walking yeah. Dead. Before I go off the deep end here, The Walking Dead. So yeah, you take the favorite enemy undead, and I'd say at sixth level, you'd take the human as the favorite enemy. Okay, so we're getting into it with yeah. this one. Oh yeah. Cool. Obviously, he's got his crossbow. Archery focused. You take crossbow expert, and you make yourself double deadly with that thing. Yeah, that's pretty much his bread and butter is shooting zombies in the head with a crossbow. So one direction you could go would be like Hunter with all of the like Horde Breaker, Steel Will, and Stand Against the Tide archetype bonuses that you get 
as you progress down the hunter path, those are all like, well, horde breaker, zombies, yeah. zombie horde, stand against the tide, also zombie horde. <laughs> These all sound right in line with oh, yeah. him as a character. Right up there. So the other one that I had a little fun with, though, was Beastmaster. And you're going to say, but wait, Daryl didn't have a animal companion. animal companion. Yeah. But what if his animal companion was a rideable animal companion? Because he's always chopping around on his motorcycle. Exactly. <laughs> and he was right up my alley, kindred spirits riding a Triumph Bonneville, mm. except his was a chopper. Or later on in the series, he gets his Honda CB750. A Nighthawk and rides that one around. Both arguably super badass. And a Nighthawk is, unless I'm a dummy, an animal. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I was going to (laughs) suggest... I don't think Nighthawk is in the the monster manual. (laughs) However, you could take a pony as an animal companion and name it, well, Nighthawk. You could name it Chopper. You could name any kind of those things. Motorcycle pun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. However, there is one hitch in this whole idea. <laughs> that it's a pony? It's a pony. <laughs> the only thing that can ride ponies are small creatures, which means that we're going to have to make Daryl a halfling. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome, actually. I like the idea of just a little badass oh, yeah. halfling ranger. And kind of moody. Yeah. Like a moody halfling <laughs> with like his long greasy hair. And he's not, Daryl's not the hero you expect and neither is a halfling on a pony. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So there you go. So uh, what? what's the, uh, how does he dress up the pony to be a little more? Oh, well, I mean, obviously the, the pony makes as much uh, loud flatulence as a motorcycle. <laughs> That's how he gets it going. Just a ton of... (laughs) That's because all he feeds him is good berries. You need more in your diet than good berries. (laughs) High octane fuel right there. Very good. All right. That (laughs) took some turns. I didn't expect. Oh, well, hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully give Ranger another chance. Yeah. Don't listen to all the pissy pants online that want to just crab on the ranger class. Crab companion. There you <laughs> You can have a crab companion. That is in the monster manual. Give right it. on. Yeah. Give it a try. Give give your next role-playing challenge uh, as playing a ranger. Yeah, because they have a lot to offer. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that. Thank you to Tabletop Audio for all the sound effects that you heard in this episode. You can follow us at Hook and Chance on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and Reddit. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening, and, and I'm play buying great myself games. a pony. <laughs> that won't fit in the backyard.